Welcome to Living Chassidus. Together, let's live the Chassidus we learn. Welcome everybody to Chassidus in the morning, 15 minutes, change your life. Hachana for Purim. On Purim. What could be more special than that? It's after Ace Zion. And so we're discussing, we're starting to discuss the difference between the stuff in the story of the Megillah. How there's two times in the Megillah talks about how how Achashverosh uh, puts out the stuff, and Esther, the first time, she actually touches her, and the second time, she pulls herself off from her. Um, yeah, she's like pleading for the Jewish people, and he puts the stuff out for her to like reach out to it to p- pick herself up. So we had a whole discussion about Esther, that Esther is really referenced, the whole story is referenced to the Jewish people, that Esther is from what Haster, is Jews in Golis, and, and this person in his own specific colors. And then we talked about how, how this, this stick is, a, is this golden scepter is like the godliness being brought down. And, and basically we said, um, the reason why Purim is not going to be nullified when Mashiach comes is because the other Yom Tevim are, are like that the godliness is being brought down and it's raising us up, but the level is, is a way that we can only grab a little bit of it. And that's why he said it's only, it's only she touched the stuff. And so there, we'll continue on this concept talking about um, Purim and how it relates to Mashiach. And Purim is really, it's a much higher level, brought down in a much lower level. Z- uh, yeah, Zion. Transformation, the reason why it will be possible to have such a powerful manifestation in our lowly realm, Mashiach's arrow. It's the reason why Mashiach, we can have God himself, because seemingly the problem is godliness, our world is made in a way that we don't perceive godliness very apparently, in order that we can, it's one of the reasons so we can handle it. Because if godliness revealed itself the way God is, then we would cease to exist as separate entities. And the whole purpose that God wants us to be in this world, in this physical world, as separate entities from him and connect to him. So then when Mashiach comes, why is it, how's that going to change? Because unlike the previous redemptions, where the evil was merely subjugated and broken, the yeah, when, when, before when the base of was built, and we had this sort of like um, Mashiach-type times, it wasn't a total transformation, it was a subjugation. The darkness itself will be transformed to light. As when Mashiach comes, then it will be transformed to darkness. Regarding past redemption, scriptures use the phrase like, Destruct the Egyptians through its firstborn and a slew mighty king and slew mighty kings. Statements indicating that the evil is subdued and destroyed. Speaking of the future redemption, in contrast, the verses for then I will transform the nations to speak a pure language so that they will all proclaim the name of God to worship him in unison. And many nations will go and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of God, and he may teach us his ways, and we may walk in his path. For at that time, the darkness will be transformed, turned to light. So we're seeing here that, that in the times of, of the other times when those, so to speak, Ula, it was, wasn't a transformation, it was more subjugation, that, that the, the other worlds, the other kings and, and everything in other nations, they didn't, they didn't transform themselves, but they just got pushed down. Yeah, and then whereas Mashiach comes, we, we see and we've seen this from Sukkim, how Mashiach comes and we get, the world transforms itself. Like it says, they'll all speak one language, that they, they're going to come up to speak Lashon Kadesh, all coming together, tra- being transformed. 
Achashverosh is a change of heart. Now we can understand why among the Jewish festivals only Purim will remain a holiday in the Messianic age. Mashiach comes along a Purim. So why now we understand? Well, what does it mean when Mashiach comes? For the miracles of Purim embody a similar transformation, that of King Achashverosh's heart. The very same mouth that gave Haman the authority to decree the destruction of Jewish people, God forbid, saying, the nation is yours. Do as you please. So that's what that's what Achishver said to Haman. Haman said, I want to destroy the Jewish people. And Achishver said, whatever you want, buddy, here, take, take the seal, make the decrees, you're good. So that's what Achishver did in the negative that could have destroyed the Jewish people. Eventually granting Esther and Mordechai the power to issue decrees concerning the Jewish as you please. This is the idea of Dachman transforming into light. And then what happened in the end, after the um, Achishverosh got, got killed, they went and went to the king. They begged for him. They said, hey, haha, can, can we do something about this um, annihilation decree? And he said, yeah, take, the, take this, the seal of the king and do whatever you want. The king's stamp. And it'll be in the t- as, and so that was a transformation. You know, from one person saying, do as you please to destroy these people. He was transformed. He hated Haman now. He loves Esther. And he's like, do as you please in the positive. Yeah, this is the idea that doctrine transformed into light as it will be in the times of Mashiach, when the glory of the Lord should be revealed, specifically in the darkest, lowliest realms. Yeah, and that's the transformation of how Mashiach comes. And this is, and we see this, this is exactly how Mashiach is, because Dadim Tevim is sort of like the other Gula, that it wasn't the world is transformed, it was just subjugated. We have more connections to Elikus, whereas, whereas by the time of Esther and the whole story of Purim, was a transformation taking Achashverosh that was decreed the annihilation of Jewish people, the annihilation of Jewish people. And then he had a total 180. And suddenly he's like, I love the Jewish people. I want them to do whatever they whatever is good for them. Pretty crazy. Shedding light on Allah. So that's that's essentially. Yeah, uh, I don't know if we should go into the Allah part of it. I don't want to get. We'll go, yeah. Oh, so yeah, we'll, we'll skip to verse nine. But basically, essentially what we're saying is the, the, the contrast in the story that, that one time Esther puts out a hand, um, the king puts out his scepter and she touches it on the first story. And the second one, she holds it up, lifts it up, is this transformation that has happened and the story. And this is why, this is why Purim is never gonna be, um, we're always going to have Purim, even when even Mashiach comes, unlike the other festivals, we won't exist anymore. Because Purim is a concept, and we've seen the story, it's really Purim presents this transformation, this total transformation. Whereas the Adi Mutavim is only a subjugation of what's going on. And because that's that's the case, so that's why Purim never, never because the, the meaning, meaning the spiritual energy that comes in Purim is one way higher than everything else. It's not just a, you know, a little bit more but it's a transformation. And that's why Purim possibilities that come on Purim is a total transformation. We can really, really work on ourselves, really have that inspiration that can really transform ourselves. Let's see, nine. A space for God. This is the meaning of the verse. Behold, he, Zer, stands behind our wall. Remember, we talked about that in the beginning. So we're going to go back to this a little bit. Watching through the window, peering through the crevices. So there, the divine wisdom and will is manifest in Torah matters in the manner of Zer. So, so, so when you learn Torah, you're seeing God in the way of Zer. Zer is that clarity. It is nonetheless, that's behind our wall. 
but it's not total clarity because it's behind the wall. I.e., we cannot perceive the godly radiance of Terimitris. This lack of perception stems from our sins, which acts as a wall to impede this radiance from shining. It's because our perception, because the sins that we do, so it causes us to have less sensitivity. But if we had, if we didn't do our various, we'd be a lot more sensitive to the godliness and to our learning and, and the impact that it has. So now it's, it's as if it's this great revelation that is, that is tangible, but it's, we're behind the wall. And our wall is all the various. The solution, so then how do we get out of this? The solution to this problem is found in the words watching through the window, peering through the crevices, like says in the bus. The windows and crevices are both created by carving holes into the wall. The only difference is one of size. The one that's bigger, one that's small. Similarly, when one's heart is, is as spiritually sensitive as a cold, hard stone, one must then carve out space within it. So if you have, a, if you're like a cold, hard stone, you have to make, a, make some holes in it. As I say, just say, open for me a, the point of a needle, and I will open for you the most spacious of chambers. And and meaning meaning, and this is a very powerful part that he's saying. So what happens when we learn Torah? It's very clear what's going on. But why don't we not see it? Because as much as Torah is there and it is it has that clarity aspect to it, but it's concealed by this wall of separation we've built through our various. So how do you change that by by making holes in the wall? Now, so you're going to say to yourself, oh, it's so hard, and me, you know, I'm how big my wall is, and it's, I've done so much, not good, or I'm not even like them, like all messed up inside of me, it's too much of a hassle. So, so the Pasuk says, open me the point of a needle. So do the littlest thing you can, the littlest, and I'll open for you the most spacious of chambers. That one point that you make, Hashem will, will vastly help you. One needs to break the spirit of holiness that covers the heart to make a contrite spirit, a broken heart. For the wall that stands between man and God is in reality one's ego, the self-centeredness that gives more significance to personal matters and spiritual affairs. And this is the ego that gets, and this wall is essentially meaning, meaning if you go back to, it's not that various as the problem is, it's the ego. The ego pulls us away from Godliness, makes us separated from Godliness and says, oh, I, he can't, I can't, I don't have time for God. Well, I'm busy now and, you know, I'm too tired. We have all the excuses that we give if we, if we, channel it back to the to its core it's it's an ego and as uh Shastab says ego stands for edging god out so and that's what it is and, and that's what it's doing ego is not it's not like i think i'm so good that's not the ego we're talking about. i'm talking about the ego of i I'm, I'm too busy for god or godliness is, is hard it's not for me and 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 sort of things like that it's not it's not like putting yourself down or anything that's for for the wall there stands between man and God is rather one's ego. Some said that it gives more significance to personal matters and spiritual affairs, meaning you have a shlichus to do, but you care more about yourself. Number 10, let's finish it off. Now we can return to the story of Esther. Esther approaches, when King Ahasuerus initially saw her, she was standing in the courtyard. Metaphorically speaking, this refers to the soul's initial spiritual posture as it, is, as it rises from the wilderness of negativity for even when the soul stands in the inner courtyard, in the courtyard of the king, it is still a wilderness compared with her permanent, permanent rest, where he permanently resides. Meaning like this: she is in the shama in exile. The king is talking about the Abishnah. So what happens? She comes into the courtyard, but where she's coming from? Because like I explained before, she's coming 
from the wilderness, rising from the wilderness. What's the wilderness? Wilderness is, is a negative place. It's a place where there's, there's nothing. It's fallow. There's no growth. There's no, you know, you're not doing the right things. But you're coming out of that and trying to work on yourself. So you come to this courtyard. The thing is, you're, you're coming from there, from this negative place, coming out of that. Where's the king? The king's, he stands really in his inner courtyard. But he's meeting her out there in, in the outer courtyard. So for him, so the, yeah, the king is still a wilderness compared to where he permanently resides. So for the, where, where she's coming from, this is a step up. Where he's coming from, it's a step down. The soul that stands in the courtyard in the spiritual wasteland, you're going to rise up to, uh, to be together with the king. What does Neshama want and what do we want? We want to connect to the God. Then uh, there is a manifestation of divine radiance showered upon the soul, which enables it to ascend and approach the king with immense passion. As it says, and Esther approached so, so then the king comes, makes himself available, and then she can come. So even though we're coming from a low place, but we're coming up, and, and, and the king is coming down to help us. But even after the soul has ascended to spiritual heights and approached divinity, it is still considered to be merely touching the tip of the septum. So at that point, and this is the story, she's touching the septum, saying because the level where they're holding, she's coming from the wilderness, coming up, and he's going from where he's high, and he's coming down to her, which is nice, but, but they're still contract they're still distant from each other and that's why she only touched the scepter because like we said before the scepter is like the god giving but we can only handle so only a little bit because of what we're holding now afterwards in the second time however when she was in the actual palace where the king resides esther again spoke before the king and fell before his feet and she cried and begged him to nullify the evil decree the hum of Haman the agagi and his plot that he had plotted against the jews in reference to the soul, it's crying, it's crying is to arouse God's abundant mercy, to have compassion on the spark of divinity that is trapped and garbed with the arrogance of one's corporeal self. <laughs> the evil decree of Haman, he has plotted against the Jews, or from Haman comes the narcissistic, narcissistic thoughts. So he's saying in the story, in the spiritual terms, she's now in the palace, she's in a better place, but Haman, which is the narcissist, he's your ego getting in the way, She's crying, I don't want to be separated from God. And, and, and really, this is, a, this is a cry that we should all be having. We don't want to be separated from God. We don't want Haman in our lives. And Haman is our life. And Haman is, is a part of us. We want to get rid of that Haman. And so we're crying to the king. We're crying to the Abishta. I want to be connected. I don't want to, be, I don't want to have Haman. Haman's trying to kill me. He's trying to destroy my life. Then the soul has transformed darkness into light. And what happens? And she succeeds. And being that you're in that place, you're in a much better place. So then you can transform the darkness into light. This is why the king extends the golden scepter to Esther in its entirety. But when darkness is transformed to light, God's essence can be manifest in the world. Because you're in a better place, so your, your abilities to receive wellness is much greater, and your abilities to transform yourself and get rid of that ego that's in the way. Like explained before, the ego is not that I think I'm a somebody. That's not an ego. That's a good thing. Yeah? Ego is, 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 I don't have time for God, and I'm busy, and these people are annoying me, and, 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 and a lot of things that are distracting, are taking away from Torah Mitzvahs. Ultimate perfection. Subsequently, Esther rose and stood before the king. That's what happens. It's sort of like she, it, she held on to it and lifted her up. The soul, meaning in spiritual terms, is that the soul is no longer in the process of ascending from wilderness. She's not coming from the wilderness anymore. That was back then. She already worked on herself, but she got to the place she's already in the, king, in the palace. And not just in the palace, she's in the king's chamber. She's in the right place, but she still has the, the ego to work with, the, the hormone. And so she's crying out to the king. That I want to get rid of this Haman. This Haman is, is, is taking me away from being able to connect to God. King puts out his scepter, he gives, but she can handle more. 
and it causes her to be able to stand up that she's in the, the highest of places. The soul is no longer in the process of ascending from the wilderness, for it has reached ultimate in spirituality. It is now able to stand prominently before the king, as it is written, a woman of excellence is the crown of her husband. Meaning the soul will be on an even greater spiritual plane than that of her husband. The divine manifestation that is now transmitted, transmitted to the soul. Yeah, she, she's the crown, meaning she's not just the husband, which is on a high level, but she's even above it, like the crown is above the person. So, yeah, so let's let's just summarize this, and this is it was beautiful. Basically, what we're saying is like this, that Esther is us. And what happens in these stories? In the beginning, we're sitting there in the wilderness. We're coming, and she, like she came from outside. It means we're coming from a place of darkness. We have a lot of issues, a lot of things we need to be working on. And it's like all the other Yom Tevim. So we come and we, we push ourselves. We come to the courtyard. The courtyard for us is a great descent, ascent. We're going up. We're working ourselves from our place. But And the king comes from his inner chamber, coming out. He's outside. So he, he's coming down to us. By that point where, you know, and this is, I think, where a lot of us are holding, to be honest. It's not like a, a negative place. It's just a reality. You know, this is the reality of what we're holding. And so we're coming. And we, and it's like we're starting the journey. Like, hey, I don't like. I want to be more connected to God. And I realize that I'm not thinking about God. I'm not doing. You know, I do whatever I do just because I've been doing it so long. But I'm not really like connecting this way. So we can't come up. And so God comes and He greets us and gives us the scepter. But we can only touch it. We can't. We're not fully there yet. But that helps us move along. And then we keep on going. And then the next time it happens, we, we're by then we've already um, upgraded ourselves. You know, we moved on to the palace and we're in the palace and we're even having parties with the king and the Shama is much more connected to Godliness now. But you have a Hamas in a way. And Esther cries out and he says, I've had enough. And, and Shama at that point, the Shama cries out, we realize we're doing the right thing, we're trying, we're in the palace, but there's a Hamas in the way and the Hamas is getting to us and, and, he's, and, he, and he's destroying my life and he's, he's trying to kill me. Literally, he's doing things that are against everything that I want to be doing. And what happens? The king, the Abish, the calendar puts out a scepter. And by that point, because we've been working on ourselves so much, we hold the scepter and we're able to go up. We can receive so much more and raise ourselves up. And ultimately, Haman gets destroyed. And then we become the crown of our king, meaning we come way above even, even the husband in spiritual terms. And yeah, it's a beautiful lesson for us. And that's, that's why that Mishak comes, Purim doesn't end. Because Purim is us reaching that level. It's going up to the stage, but going up to the higher level. Whereas all that in Tevim, it's more like us in the wilderness coming into the, the courtyard of the palace. And that's why it's, it's, it's such a limited level. It's why because when Mashiach comes, everything's transformed. And this is poem. This is the ability to transform, to get rid of the Haman, get rid of our ego, and to be totally connected to God.